0: What is going on? What is happening? Welcome into to Sports Betting Daily. So I've heard from several people on Twitter after our show on Tuesday. Apparently I hit some kind of a nerve with uh, the should you buy picks, should you sell picks, episode that we did on Tuesday. And I heard from so many different people about this topic, whether it was positive, negative, maybe just had some questions. So I thought today would be a good opportunity to read back some of those tweets, some of those messages, and go through different nuances of buying picks and selling picks because there seem to be some questions still. And I figure a lot of you may have these questions or opinions. So I figure this would be a good opportunity. So let's start off with this tweet. Uh, This message, I should say, from a listener in Spain. How about that? One of our uh, Spanish listeners reaching out. Appreciate that. Um, They said that over there in Spain, things are actually very different. They said that tipsters, they're called tipsters over there, have verified stats on independent platforms. So if you know where to look, you can actually make some money, find some good people, and it seems to be a little bit more trustworthy. Now, they sent me a different you know, website to look at, which I checked out, and it seems pretty cool. It seems a little bit different. So one thing that I, I need to remember, honestly, for these podcasts, I need to be more aware of My international listeners, because I do think a lot about how it is here in the United States domestically for me, for other people, uh, you know, where, where it's new here in the USA, essentially. And that's the whole idea. I think that's what that's the difference between here and other places in Europe or across the, the, the world where it has been legal for some time. The sports betting market in America is so young and immature and it's just getting going. There's so many mistakes that I think are being made and a lot of these people are being taken advantage of. So here in the United States, it's a much bigger issue. It's a big deal. There's a lot of people, most people, I would say rough off the top of my head estimate, probably 80 to 90% are they're just completely ripping people off. Now, it's not always by design. They're not always just scammers and and, and fraudulent. Some of these people think they're actually good sports bettors. They're just wrong. <laughs> they just think they're a lot better than they are, and they're losing. They're going to lose a lot of their money over the long run. Unfortunately, they're probably going to lose a lot of other people's money along the way. They're dragging them down because they have their VIPs, and you can buy our packages or tip us. It's, it's crazy what's going on out there in terms of selling picks here in the United States, in America. So... It's a. It's much more of a problem here than it is internationally. And I would say those overseas in Spain, Germany, like I said earlier, the UK, Australia, you know, different different countries in in Africa that we've heard from. If it's different there and it's more of a mature market, it's more. You know, people are more used to it. You know, I'm sure it's different. But that's how everything is. That's how here in the United States, when when, when prohibition happened and when alcohol was you know, illegal and then it became legal again and and marijuana is becoming legal and they just decriminalized mushrooms, A whole bunch of stuff is changing. When when things first change and and these big legislations are implemented, it takes a while, I think, for any group of people to sort of adapt. Now, there's a lot of dummies getting involved over here buying picks. I I will not, I will put that out there. There's a lot of stupid people in this marketplace that seem to be influencing things, which I don't get, but... In general, I do need to be more conscientious and aware of the international listeners because I know things are different and and a little bit better in terms of buying picks over there. Hopefully, we will get there eventually here in America, but it's not like that right now. So either way, appreciate uh, you reaching out. Uh, How about that? One of our Spanish listeners getting involved here. So that was pretty cool. All right, let's move on to another tweet. Someone asking for advice on a certain company. Now... I'm not going to bring up any specific companies on here because I don't want to I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bring any companies down unnecessarily. If I think there's a reason to bring a company up, I'll do so, but I'm not going to do it unnecessarily, right? Just just because. But they asked me about a company and I'll give some examples, right? I'm not going to say which company they asked me about, but I will give examples. So they asked um, my opinion on some of the uh, data services that are available. Um, you know, compilers uh, are any of these compilers worthwhile for the cost was their question. but it's like uh, you know places that have tools that you can use, different um, simulation tools, different ways to to get picks. And there's a lot of different websites like this. Some examples are CBS Sportsline, unabated, Odds Jam. Now these websites give you access to their tools as well as access to their picks. Okay, That's one thing that these different uh, websites have in common. Now, what I'd say in general, like Odds Jam, Odds Jam is so expensive. It's like 200 bucks a month or so. So in general, look, it's not about the price because if they're that good, it's worth the price, right? Even 200 a month, it's up there, but it's it's it. if they're that good, it's worth it. Here's my overall feeling, whether it's a place like unabated CBS Sportsline or Odds Jam, where they're going to give you access to picks and tools, or places like PicksWise, Pregame, Covers, Vegas Insider, that are going to give you access to just Picks, my overall feeling for services like that, whether you have access to the tools or you just have access to the Picks, my overall feeling goes like this. Services like that tend to overestimate, greatly overestimate, how good their models are, how good their tools are, how effective or profitable their perceived edges are, right? So if the if their tools that they're putting out there were as effective as they actually advertise, what would happen is the market would collectively adopt to those numbers very quickly. Here's how that works. If a place like CBS Sportsline or whoever, unabated or whatever, if they consistently have lines that are beating the market and their clients are destroying the market on those numbers, what's going to happen very, very quickly is both sports bettors and bookies alike are going to take notice. They're going to buy a subscription and they're going to start betting with those numbers. And I said, notice bookies alike, sports bettors and bookies. So what's going to happen is what inevitably everyone, if this is a good enough program, is going to have access to it, and that's a problem because once everyone has access to the same information, that information is meaningless. Because what would happen is the bookies would start opening their numbers with these correct numbers, right? Let's say CBS Sports Line has the most amazing model in the world, which if you read some of their articles, you would think it, it, that's the case. Let's pretend that's the case, okay? If that were so, these these sports books would buy a subscription once they notice this. And then just start copying CBS Sports Lines prices into their sports book. It's as easy as that. If they're that good, that's exactly what would happen. And we actually, if you if you think I'm wrong there, we've got a perfect example of this happening in real life. Look at Ken Okay, Ken Palm, uh, short for Ken Pomeroy, he created this college basketball system that he decided to put out there for a subscription. And usually. times out of 10, if you have an actual system that's going to beat the market, you don't do that. You keep it for yourself because it's such, it's like, let's, let's not be hyperbolic here, but it's almost like being able to print money. If you have a legitimate way to beat the market, you don't want to give anyone those secrets. You protect those. So what Ken Pomeroy did is very, very unheard of. And I don't think we have 595 Ken Pomeroy's on Twitter right now, even though they all think they are. But either way, what Ken Pomeroy did was introduce KenPOM.com for college basketball. And just like we said in that, in these examples or in this, uh, you know, what would happen in this hypothetical, that's what happened with Ken Palm. Their college basketball numbers were so good and so elite and consistently beating the market on both spreads and over-unders. What happened? Bookies took note. They started copying Ken Palm's lines essentially, not verbatim. But right now, any college basketball game, you can predict within about a week of playing, because lines, you know, power rankings change, within about seven days of playing, you can get within about two and a half points of like any college basketball game just by using Ken Palm. So now that that is the case, Ken Palm's actually less effective since everyone is using it. But that's not the point. The point is, look what happens when there's actually a legitimate winning system that's out there for the public, whether it's free or a paid subscription. If it's really good enough, it won't take the market long to understand it's good. It's better than the current numbers to adapt and to start copying because when it comes down to it, this is where Twitter gets everything wrong. There is no ego in sports betting. There is no, uh, like, like this machoism or where we're, we're killing the books and we're just like winning money and people flashing these hundred dollar bills. There is no ego In sports betting, if you're a true legitimate sports better or handicapper or bookie, you're not worried about where you get your numbers from. You'll, you know, you'll pay a a fortune telling cow if they're right 90% of the time on their picks. It doesn't matter where you get the picks from as long as they're good numbers. It all is about the number. So they don't care whether it's coming from CBS Sportsline or any other website or one of their data scientists they hired in-house they just want the best most accurate number they can get them being the sports books and, and therefore people like me won't have value in the market because where i have value is when the raiders are supposed to be you know plus three and they open up in the market plus six then i bet them plus six and it goes down to plus three and i don't bet them anymore. What would happen if the markets were hyper-efficient is they would get access to these other sources that claim to be winning, and they would just start getting closer and closer to that three instead of the six, so there would be no value left. I know this isn't happening because I know there's still plenty of value left in the market. So based on all of that, just by definition of how the market works... I know that these certain companies who are selling monthly subscriptions aren't giving out winning picks and aren't providing winning tools because if they were, it wouldn't take long for everyone out there with millions of dollars at stake to quickly identify what's going on, jump on the boat, and start picking with these people. So. That's the whole idea. That's why at a baseline level, I don't think selling picks is a, is a, a good idea because A, if they're good enough, you're not going to get the, the best number because it's all about buying numbers before they move. And B, if these models were really good enough to beat the market long term, there would be so many more people getting involved and these numbers would quickly become obsolete. That's the weird thing about public numbers or public data. The better the data and the numbers are in terms of predictive value, the the less long they're going to last. So if you hide your own system, and I like I do, I I don't give even my best friends my access to what I use. That's going to hopefully last me a long time. If I put that out there for subscription, like what I do personally for a living, it would be obsolete in about a month and a half. Because theoretically, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people would have access to this. And they're all using my stuff, betting into the market with my data. Therefore, what I do is pointless because they're moving numbers. I'm not getting the good numbers and everyone's working with the same info. So I just don't trust information out there that other people don't, or that's not good enough to move the market essentially. Like that's as basic as it comes down to. If the information is good enough to move the market, I trust it. And if it is that good, it's not going to last for long because people are going to catch on. So that's my whole idea with advice for any company out there. In general, that's why I tend to say stay away. Now, things happen differently overseas, you know, in Spain and Germany and UK, that's one thing. But here, I, I just recommend staying away. You're going to be far better off in the long run. All right, let's get on to another uh, message I got. It was a tweet from someone with a horrible experience with <laughs> with a uh, Twitter... Oh, God. I'm not going to get say their name because I said I wouldn't, but... Let's say parlay is in their title and it's, it's, it's along there with another fancy word that you might think they were like a scientist or something. It's crazy. So let me just say this. If, if they claim to be a, a winning better and they charge, which these people do and parlay is in their name, run as quickly as you can in the other direction. Okay. Here's the, here's a, um, something very important to remember. Do not confuse content creators or people who are very good at social media or growing accounts With talent or skill. This specific account that I was just talking about has 167,000 followers. One of their contributors, uh, the contributor for this place, has 120,000 followers. This is crazy when you look at the content and the stuff they're putting out there. So I get it though. I get it though, right? I get why people fall for it. I don't get that. I get why people fall for it because here's why people see. 160,000 followers or 170,000 followers, whatever. They see these people getting all these likes and this traction. So I understand the appeal why people would fall for it. You know, usually in life, in real life, the better the place, the more the traffic. The best restaurants in town always have a wait. The best places in town, you always, right? You Usually like In-N-Out Burger. You ever go to an In-N-Out, you're usually gonna have to wait a little bit. Why? Because it's a lot better than whatever's across the street, typically. So I get it. That's that's how humans work. We go, oh, busier, more likes, They mean they're, it means they're better. But be careful because betting, specifically sports betting, is not social media. And I see so many just young 20-year-olds, you know, young 20s posting videos, collaborating, selling their pics. It's like, oh my God. It sort of is cringe. And it sort of is one of these things where it's like, you know, but, but at the end I, I've i sort of eased up on Twitter, you know, it's not really worth my energy, but I do see these people selling picks. And it's just like, I hope there's not that many helpless individuals out there just looking for a little bit, you know, more advice or better picks, giving these losers their, their money every month to get losing picks. And you know, the best thing is this individual told me from this horrible experience they had that, uh, They were, it was 20 bucks a month for the subscription and they lost almost everything with these parlay people. And after the month was over, they got an email from these parlay people apologizing, offering a free month. (laughs) Because that's what you want after getting your asking for a month is another month of free losing picks. It doesn't matter if it's free or not. They're, they're bad picks. So it's just, it's crazy what's going on out there. This horror experience with parlay so-and-so, uh, God, not good. Not good. If they're giving away parlays regularly, they don't know what they're doing. It's just very obvious. So, and that's the same with TikTok, Instagram. This isn't just Twitter. This is everywhere because it's more than young. It's a lot of young people. That's why I say it's not worth my energy because what I've realized is that I saw a recent poll, two thirds of all Twitter users are under 30. More than half are, are under 21. So, I mean, I think what we're dealing with here is just a glorified daycare. It's like does anyone really take Twitter seriously except for these kids buying and selling each other's picks, at least gambling Twitter? You know, it's like I've said before, hashtag gambling. Twitter is so not serious. It's, it's filled with such losing sports bettors. It's like this make believe candy land. It's I've said this before, but my, my, my joke is it's almost as if there, there were like a hashtag surgery Twitter and everyone who tweeted on surgery Twitter, they weren't real surgeons. They were just really good at the game operation that's exactly what you have with gambling Twitter. It's like everyone thinks they're all contributing to this atmosphere of good ideas when really what what does uh, Will Farrell say in Anchorman? <laughs> we are laughing, <laughs> you know. It is it's just it's just a, a cesspool of bad information. And you know what happens with some of these people who do evaluate their wins incorrectly? It just most people do this but it's evaluating results instead of the actual process. Because there's going to be plenty of people out there who have winning streaks and who do well, but do we want to evaluate the wins and losses or how we got there? There's a great book I'm reading right now called Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke. And it talks just about, about that exact thing. If you start evaluating results in your life, you're going to be very misled by the entire process of whatever you're doing or evaluating. If you If you critique your process instead of your results, you're going to allow yourself to grow. Now, this is difficult to do, but it's necessary. That's why I say in my betting... I worry more about my handicapping than the wins and losses, because I know over the long run, wins and losses will come. Losses will happen. Wins will happen. Focus on the process, not a seven game winning streak. If you're really wanting to improve. All right, before we get out of here, well, we have a couple more. Yeah, we got a couple more tweets here. Are you sick of losing sports bets? Do you want to find a way to make more when you win and lose a little bit less when you lose? If so, I've got a solution for you. Sign up at betteredge.com and they've gotten rid of the risk or they've gotten rid of the VIG. So, you know, that minus 110 that we all pay, that doesn't exist at Better Edge. You're essentially betting risk-free, which means long-term, you're not expected to win a whole lot, but you're not expected to lose anything either. Think about telling your wife or your husband that at the end of the month, it's like, hey, Again, didn't lose any money sports betting. If you want that experience, sign up at betteredge.com. And on top of all that, if you want a free 20 bucks to sign up with them, when you do sign up, put in promo code SBD. That's going to get you a free 20 in your account. You can see how you like betting risk-free. Some tells me you're going to love making more when you win, losing less when you lose, all with a free $20 with betteredge.com, promo code SBD. Um Let's go to a couple messages I got real quick. I wanted to do this. These are people who wanted to sell me picks. And I wanted to check in on them because I don't ever return these messages, but I wanted to check in on some of these people. So this first person was Charles Harris at Dynamite Picks. And I can say this because they, they tweeted me. So this was September 17, 2019. They tweeted me and said, Thanks for following. Let me know if you're interested in the package. Great start to football. NFL were 16 and 9 up 77 and a half units. Let me repeat that. They said they were 16 and nine up 77 and a half units. And in college, football, we we're 34 and 19 up 188 units. Whoa, these guys must be good. So I went to his page. They haven't posted since uh, January 2022. <laughs> oh, and by the way, their tweet on January 2022, discounted packages up to 50%. I wonder why, right? I fucking wonder why uh let's see another tweet that we got was from the actual sports betting daily account by the way give us a follow on there and this is a great example we have on this show about 15 depending on the month 15 20 000 downloads a month we have like 250 followers on twitter you know I, I need to get better at that i know i need to grow that and all that stuff blah 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 but i don't give a shit about twitter people just follow we occasionally like retweet stuff it's like nothing people who want this show listen to the show that's really what it it's about. And that's, you know, we don't do a whole lot there. So either way, this next one was from Rex Picks at Rex Picks 12. Uh, this was uh, November 10 2021. I got this message. Hey, hello. I love that. The double, the double intro. Hey, hello. Thanks for following. Join our Telegram channel for free picks every day. And it says a Rex Picks VIP prices. One day, $5.00 weekend days, $7, one week, $10, one month, $25. And then the ping pong group, if you just want ping pong picks, $20. Payment accepted via PayPal, Mm, send DMs to new followers, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, okay, mm, Rex picks, that's cheap. But 20 bucks a month, that's competitive. I go to their page, they haven't posted since October, 2022. It's like, so what happens, you know what happens with these, These it just fizzles out. They either have a bunch of losing picks, lose way too many units and lose their following, or they just realize no one's following them. And so they probably start a new account. Both Rex picks and that other dude who I talked about earlier, they both likely, very likely just started brand new accounts under different names. And some of them may be successful now. Who knows how many they have before it caught on so I just thought that was so interesting to to look at those people who sent me those tweets today because I haven't seen those in months because I don't look at them. And so today when I was going through Twitter, I was like, huh, I wonder if I've gotten any of those. So anyway, yeah it's pretty, pretty good. All right, let's move off of the whole selling picks thing. um I got two more tweets here. I want to read uh, two more messages. I want to read from uh, from y'all, from the listeners. Uh, this tweet is someone asking uh, what sports I bet. Do I bet every sport here? Let's see. Uh, Uh, Tyler, wondering if you bet on every single sport out there. How do you decide if not? All right, so this is an interesting question. A lot of people out there uh, bet on a ton of sports, and there's some people out there who just focus and bet on one sport or one specific aspect of a sport. So the way I decide what I bet on, look, when I first started handicapping and betting, not professionally, just betting for fun, when I first started betting, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I bet on what I watched. Now I bet on what I handicap the best. So it's now on. Or it's now based on what works best with my math. What do I understand in terms of the non-quantitative things? You know, how do you sometimes evaluate a new coaching hire or distractions from an an owner like Jerry Jones? You know, that's something I'm good at in certain sports. So the math, the non-quantitative things, and honestly, long-term accuracy is very important. When I log my numbers. And then I backlog my numbers compared with the market and the results of whatever game or games we're talking about. Then I see how good my numbers were. Therefore, I'm able to kind of make decisions moving forward based on those sports. So I bet a lot of sports myself. I bet a ton of sports. What decides my action and what I actually bet on is the margin of error that I'm dealing with or that I'm willing to work with. So Let's look at it this way. If I'm going to bet the NHL or Premier League or like the English Championship, the second tier of English soccer, I'm willing to make a bet where I have like a 0.8% edge. That's, that's a very, very thin, small edge, but I'll make it. If I have a 0.8% edge in hockey or Premier League or English Championship, I will make that bet, but it increases for other sports. If I bet the MLB, Major League Baseball or college football, that number may rise to like one and a half percent. If I bet tennis or, you know, most other soccer leagues, like international soccer leagues, you know, uh, Europa, Champions League, La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A, even MLS, maybe that's 2%. When I bet sports like college baseball, college hockey, it's more like 5%. So I bet a lot of different sports, but what dictates what I bet on is my margin of error. I will, I will make lots of bets with a very, very thin edge in hockey, but I'm going to have to have a very substantial edge in college baseball if I'm going to make a bet. So I bet on a ton to, to give you a full list. I kind of jotted down a list right here of everything that I kind of think I bet, uh, hockey, NHL, hockey, uh, premier league. And and this is sort of in order of what I do best in premier league soccer, because soccer is, you know, divided into all different kinds of categories And then the English Championship, the second division of English soccer is probably my third best sport. Uh, Then college football, Major League Baseball, tennis, then the other soccer leagues, uh, then college basketball, NFL, international soccer, World Cup, Nations League, and then your college, baseball, hockey, things like that. So I bet a ton. I bet a lot of sports. But again, what dictates what I actually place money on or how many bets I make is my perceived edge in any given bet. All right, and let's wrap things up here. Uh, th- this was a good tweet. I wanted to save this for the end. Someone asked me about my worst loss and my best win. So this is this is a you know, this is more of like a entertaining question. People want to know what I go through, which is good. It's fine. But this was tough for me because honestly, I'm not just saying this, and I feel like a lot of pros are like this. I really don't dwell on both wins or losses. You know, seriously, now I've had some monster wins and I've had some gut-wrenching losses that have just made me sick. And look, in the moment, whether it's a huge win or a huge loss, it seems like I'll never forget those times or those games. It seems like I'm going to remember that forever. This big win, oh, we're never going to forget this game or this huge gut-wrenching loss. We're never going to forget this. But I almost always do. Almost always. Having said that, I've got a couple that definitely stick out. Let's start off with my worst loss. Okay, this one, this one. I mean, it automatically comes to mind every single time someone brings up loss, tough beat. Not even a bad beat, just just one that was tough to deal with. It was January twentieth, twenty nineteen. The NFL Wild Card Round. Saints hosting the L.A. Rams. Saints were minus three. I had the Saints, the home favorites. Minus the three at minus 110. It was 20 to 20 with one minute, 49 seconds left. New Orleans had the ball third and 10 from the Rams, 13 yard line. So they're at least going to get a field goal here, right? What happens? Third and 10 drew Brees passes to Tommy Lee Lewis side of the field, right by the, uh, out of bounds line. It's a perfect throw. And Tommy Lee Lewis is open. Out of nowhere comes Nikkel, Robbie Coleman, and essentially tackles Lewis. I mean, essentially tackles him. I mean, seriously, he led with his helmet, completely took Lewis out with the ball in the air. The ball's traveling over to him. Drew Brees just throw it. I mean, that was maybe the single most obvious pass interference call I've ever seen in my entire life. And guess what happened? Nothing. No call nothing happened. Everyone's going nuts, including me watching at home. Nothing happened. No call. So what happens? New Orleans kicks the field goal, makes the field goal, goes up 23-20. The Rams get the ball, go right down, and Greg Zerline makes a 48-yarder to tie it. The Rams win in overtime. So yes, the way it lost was bad. You know, that was gut-wrenching. It should have been a first down because that's pass interference. So the, the pass interference call Gives the Saints the ball with about a minute and a half left, fresh set of downs in the five-yard line. The game's pretty much over at that point, essentially. Instead, the Rams won. So, yes, the way it lost was definitely bad. And still today talking about it, it it makes me upset. But the amount I lost was even worse. So that's how I define a a one that's tough to take is you lose in a tough way and it's for a lot of money. So that's probably my worst loss of all time. Saints LA Rams. And you know what? That was not the wild card round. I think that was actually the NFC Championship game. Cuz now that I think about it, I was thinking of the Vikings game. So either way, January 20th, 2019, it was not the wild card round. Let's let's just quickly see what that was. Yeah, that was the Conference Championship. My goodness. Wow. So either way, either way. Uh yeah, that was that's my worst one. All right, let's move on to the best one. The best win that I've had that I can recall. And this is actually I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go two-part question here, two-part answer. Uh it was two wins and it was the same game back-to-back rematch. It was Georgia Alabama in what was this? This was the 20 Uh, let's see here. This was the 2021 season. So this happened in 2022, January 2022, and late December 2021. So it was that year, Alabama, Georgia, college football. So here's what happened. The SEC championship game was taking place and Georgia was favored. Now, Georgia in the 2021 season was elite. They had, I mean, one of the best defenses in college football history. So many future NFL players. They looked unbelievable stoppable and Alabama had one loss that year so everybody everyone was on Georgia that game okay game one in the SEC championship everyone's on Georgia so much so that line opened up three Georgia opened three and it closed six that's a gigantic line move for a game like that everyone was on Georgia don't let anyone tell you otherwise they're trying to repaint their own history I, I was one of the few, few people. I remember this vividly, whether it was people on Twitter, my co-host on College Football Tailgate. I mean, look, I do another show called College Football Tailgate with uh, a very smart, very good veteran, uh, Will Chambers. He's my partner. He said he would have taken Georgia up to nine. I mean, literally, this was the sentiment. Everyone was putting all of their money on Georgia, minus three, minus four, minus five, minus six. Now, I waited. I took Alabama plus six once it got there, but I was on Alabama, going against seemingly everyone. So what happens that game? Alabama actually won outright, convincingly, 41-24. And then what happens? Seemingly overnight, this is wild. Seemingly overnight, everyone just changes their minds. They decide they were wrong. Oh, whoops. Alabama must be the better team. Why? Why? Based on one fucking game. Think about that. Think about if we did that in like a seven-game series in the NBA or NHL. One game's played, it's like, oh, we got everything we knew about these teams wrong. Well, how do you know? Well, they just played a game. There's your answer. That's how college football fans act. That's how football fans act. They go, oh, we saw. We saw a game. There's our answer. It's like, not necessarily. That was one game. But seemingly, the entire college football world in one game changed their minds. And they decided based on that one game, oh, whoops, we were wrong. Alabama's not the better team. Remember my co-host, Will, who I just brought up on College Football Tailgate? He said if he would make a new line for the second rematch, he would make Alabama the favorite. <laughs> Minus two and a half. And when I asked him why, he's like, well, look, they were clearly the better team. Therefore, they should be favored. Okay, this is collective nonsense from, once again, everyone. So what happens in that second game? Everyone overreacts so much, the public, the pros, everyone betting on the game drives the price down, and Georgia closed minus two and a half. Think about that. A three and a half point adjustment because of one game. Still on a neutral field, nothing else has changed. Georgia on a neutral field, a couple weeks prior, closed minus six. Then, because of one game, they closed minus two and a half. Way overreaction. So what did I do for that game, for the national championship? I took Georgia. Now, why did I do that? Why did I take Bama the first game, Georgia the second game? Was I just simply going against the the the, the you know the consensus? Was I bucking you know normal convention? No, not necessarily. Not just for that reason. It's very very easy when you boil it down to why I did that. My number, my personal line for those games was Georgia minus three and a half. So think about that. I had Georgia minus three and a half. The first game, the line was six. Of course, I'm going to take Bama plus six when I have Alabama minus three and or plus three and a half. Georgia minus three and a half. That's clear value. And in the second game, the rematch, still I didn't make an adjustment. I didn't feel like one game was enough to make an adjustment, even though we saw plenty of stuff play out. I had Georgia minus three and a half. The line was two and a half. It had adjusted past my theoretical line. So what did I do the second game? I took Georgia minus two and a half because it provided value based on my number. And really, that's as simple as sports betting is if you're good enough to identify what the number should be. Everyone wants to fancy it up, make it so much harder than it is. It's not. That's what winning comes down to. What should the number be? What is the number? And so for me, that's my biggest win, not just because of the amount I won during those two games, but because seemingly I was bucking everyone else in the world, at least who bets college football, and... I like to be I like to be right when everyone else tells me how wrong I am before the game starts. So all right, appreciate everyone listening. Appreciate everyone reaching out on Twitter. If you want to give us a follow, you can do so at SBD underscore pod that's at sbd underscore pod reach out with questions likes dislikes whatever i like hearing from all you so uh that does it for today's show appreciate you all listening good luck whatever you have going on today or tonight hope to catch some winners we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on sports betting daily